You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, as promised, I do want to begin the process of, um, I guess you could say, getting to know the Green Bay Packers roster. And I think what comes with that is understanding not just the players we have now, but sort of the construction that the Packers have done in the past and kind of taking a, a little bit of a closer look than I usually had. I think in the past it was usually, for example, if you're looking at a 53-man construction, my general thought process was, here's the range of players that they'll have, let's call it between 4 and 5, 4 and 6, I don't know. And so that's the general number. Now, which players are the best? And I think you could probably take that a step further and look at their process in terms of, okay, who is this person? We've got an undrafted free agent that has shown some promise, as opposed to, let's say, a seventh-round pick that hasn't. Who's more likely to make the roster? I know who the fans want. They want the undrafted free agent that's showing promise. But what do the Packers generally do? So anyways, that's a little bit further down the line. We're going to start with uh, probably the easiest and least interesting position, while at the same time being the most interesting position, and that's quarterback. One of the negatives of doing a project like this is we're covering either guys that we already know quite a bit about or guys that we don't care as much about. But we're just going to have to suck it up a little bit for a while. So why don't we start off with Jordan Love? Again, we don't need to spend a ton of time because I'm pretty sure we all know who Jordan Love is. But let's just do a quick refresher because sometimes we kind of remember things the wrong way. All right, we start to build ideas of who this person is in our head, and it might not necessarily line up with reality necessarily. Um, All right. So going back to college, Utah State, 2017, he uh, only played a little bit of time, three years there. Number one, 236 attempts, 1,631 yards, eight touchdowns, six interceptions. Not ideal by anybody's metrics. Then in 2018, he takes over as the starter, right? And even his own teammates had gone on saying, like, they knew that he was the guy, but they had an established quarterback, but you just knew Jordan Love was different. And they were all excited, right? They were putting in work. They were working real hard. Everybody was kind of going back together. What happens? 420 attempts, 269 completions. So he went from a 54% completion rate to a 64%, from 1,600 yards to 3,500 yards, from 6.9 yards per attempt to 8.5 yards per attempt, from 8 touchdowns to 32 touchdowns, and didn't go up any interceptions despite, again, doubling the amount of time he played. 32 touchdowns, only 6 interceptions, 83.5 grade, 82.6 passing grade. Um, His uh, big-time throw percentage was 4.5% in college in in that, that good year. We're talking 2018. We haven't gotten to 2019 yet. 4.5% ties for 11th as far as just for context how that looks in the NFL. That would be where Jalen Hurts, Jacoby Brissett, and Mike White were. His turnover-worthy plays were at 3%, um, which would be tied for 18th with Trevor Lawrence and Daniel Jones. By the way, just for reference, I know this isn't college, but again, just to give you an idea of how good or bad it is, if he had an 85.3 grade in the NFL, that would make him or no, it wasn't 85.3, what do you have, 83.5? 
he would be the sixth highest graded quarterback in the NFL. He would have the fifth highest passing grade. But also worth noting, his time to throw in that offense was 2.27. I've mentioned before that he's really good when he gets the ball out fast. It's what he did in 2018. It's what he did against the Eagles. It's just, it's it's the way I think things need to be is a quick, rhythmic offense. I think he dominates in that, and he did in 2018. Now, in 2019, whole new coaching staff, whole new offense. I think an entirely new offensive line. Everything got turned completely upside down, and he had a worse year. Now, for record, he didn't have a terrible year. He still had a 75.3 grade and a 76.8 passing grade. However, he threw for about the same amount of yards, but 12 less touchdowns and 11 more interceptions. And the reason I think a lot of this happened is he became more of a uh, more Brett Farvian. His big time throw percentage, which is a good thing, but it went from 4.5% to 6.4%. That would be second in the NFL behind only Josh Allen. Now, again, that's a good stat. But his turnover-worthy play percentage went up to 4.7, which would be tied for third. So he was wild and reckless. But here's the thing. Go back and watch the LSU game, and I think you'll understand it. The point is, there was nothing there for him. It wasn't just that he was constantly under pressure. It was just that he needed to make a play, and there was no play to be made, so he was launching the ball around. And sometimes it was just the most perfectly passed ball you've ever seen, and it falls in the big-time throw column. Sometimes the other team comes down with it, and it falls in the turnover-worthy play column. Or just turnover column, I guess. So anyways, Packers draft him. You know that whole story. He doesn't have a ton of playing time, but the playing time that we have seen, or did see, was really not very good. In 2020, we didn't get to see him at all because of COVID. So it wasn't until um, his 2021 preseason that we got to see him. And his first outing really wasn't very bad. He was 12 of 17 for 122 yards and a touchdown, 72.2 yards per attempt, 72 grade, 71.2 uh, uh, passing grade, 5.9 big-time throw percentage, which is really just one, but still, and no turnover-worthy plays. But he came back out in preseason week three against Buffalo, 12 of 18, 149, no touchdowns and a pick, 43.5 grade. Overall, 55.5 preseason grade. Then we get into the regular season and things really started to look bleak. Although week one was quite solid, he came out and was 7 of 8, excuse me, 5 of 7 for 68 yards with a 76 grade. Not a ton there, but still a little something. Um, It was all downhill from there. We saw him against Kansas City, and that was the biggest sample size. He was 19 of 34 for 191 yard, or 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception, 30 PFF grade, 29.2 passing grade. Then we saw him briefly against Minnesota. He was 2 of 4 for 19 yards, 52 grade, 41 passing grade. Then against Detroit, he was 10 of 17, 134 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions, 39.4 grade, 36.5 PFF grade. He had a 36.2 overall grade for the season. 31.3 passing grade um, for the for the 2021 season. So it's not a great situation for him to have to be in. He's not the starter. He wasn't, you know, he's thrust into these situations. But still, aside from a couple glimmers, it was quite bleak. Then we get the 2022 preseason. His first outing against San Francisco was decent. It was an average grade. 13 to 24, 176 yards, two touchdowns, but three interceptions. Now, to have an average grade with three picks is quite impressive in and of itself, but a lot of that comes back to this stat. Guess how many turnover-worthy plays he had? One. Which means PFF said one of those picks was his fault. 
Then, week two against New Orleans, he was 12 of 24, 113 yards, 4.7 yards per attempt and a touchdown. He had an 83.4 grade and an 80.7 passing grade. Unfortunately, his very good preseason got derailed by the freaking Kansas City Chiefs, where he had 16 completions on 26 attempts for 148 yards, no touchdowns and a pick, 46.5 grade, 48.4 passing grade. Now, it was still an upgrade week or year one preseason technically year two he ended with a 55 overall grade last year he ended the preseason with a 63 grade then we get into the regular season week one he was four of five for 65 yards they gave him a 55 grade then against the jets we saw him very briefly he was two of four for eight yards 67 grade then week 12 is when everybody really got excited He was 6 of 9 for 113 yards, 12.6 yards per attempt and a touchdown, an 85.7 grade and an 83.4 PFF grade. Then a little bit against Minnesota, he was 2 of 3 for 9 yards, uh, 65.6 grade. And you look at that and say, okay, the the Philadelphia game doesn't mean anything because it was just 9 attempts. That's true. But he ended 14 of 21 for 195 yards and a touchdown, a 78.7 grade. So he went from a 36 to a 78. And again, still not in a good situation. We're talking about last minute getting thrown out against Minnesota. Last minute, five weeks later, getting thrown out against the Jets. I understand it's your nature as a backup. It's, you know, I'm not necessarily making excuses, but it is a lot easier when you're in every single practice with every single rep coming to the starters and an entire offense is built around you, et cetera, et cetera, right? And you've been out there the whole game. It kind of helps you at the end of the game when you those last five passes or whatever. In Minnesota, you know, getting thrown out and Philadelphia getting thrown out. All these games just getting thrown out last minute. But that's a significant uptick. Also in those four games, he doesn't have a single turnover-worthy play. Not one. He has one big-time throw, but that's good enough for 4.8%. He threw for 9.3 yards per attempt. Despite the claims of him being dink and dunk, that would be number one in the NFL. Completion percentage was uh, 66.7, which would be tied for eighth. That's with Dalton, Daniel Jones, and Kirk Cousins. 78.7 PFF grade would be um, 10th. Uh, no, well, I guess 11th in the NFL, uh, in between Kirk Cousins and Trevor Lawrence, if you were able to maintain that grade. The 4.8% big-time throw percentage would be tied for 8th with Matt Stafford and Pat Mahomes. 85% adjusted completion percentage would be number one by a wide margin in the NFL. His time to throw of 2.17 would be number one by a massive margin in the NFL. His 112.2 passer rating would be number one by a pretty decent margin in the NFL. Now, I'm not saying I expect all these things to be maintained. I'm just letting you know, for everybody that wants to look at it and just shrug their shoulders and go, eh, I guess it was okay, whatever. It was better than that. And in fact, if he was just able to maintain that level of play, which, you know, again, we're talking 78, it's not um anything super fantastic it was technically one good game out of four two you know high average type games i guess but i I guess what i'm saying is it's not gonna take a herculean effort what we just need to make sure and again this is my concern with him is consistency right again three of these games are well i guess that's there are four of them are irrelevant but they're all way too small a sample size but we're talking about one out of three was really good. Then you look at the preseason. One out of three. Actually, it was one out of four. One out of three was really good. One of them was terrible, and he ended with three touchdowns, four interceptions. Again, it's not that I... I, Dude, I... This guy can throw unbelievably. 
He has got Aaron Rodgers tendencies all day long. He can throw those ridiculous sidearm passes. We saw the pass to Aaron Jones and that pass that Bears fans love to highlight, which is really one of his best throws, which is just out of bounds and it went right through. I think it was A.J. Dillon's hands. If he would have caught that for a touchdown, it would have been an Aaron Rodgers level highlight. No question about it. I just worry about the lows, right? It's awesome that he can be Aaron Rodgers at times and in certain ways, but it's not just being Aaron Rodgers at his high point, it's also one of the greatest things about Aaron Rodgers is that he didn't really have a lot of lows. I mean, he, he would go periods without dominating and just become kind of meh, but he didn't freaking just outright lose a game for you, or at least very, very rarely. I mean, you know, this past year, maybe, yeah, Detroit, certainly. But generally speaking, you didn't see it from Rodgers. He was either going to win you the game, or he was going to play fairly well, and you hope that somebody else does enough to kind of raise up the boats, but he isn't just going to sink the freaking ship. Uh, something else worth noting about Jordan Love that um, is, I guess, somewhat of an unknown or a question mark is is his rushing ability, right? We know he has a little bit more athleticism than Aaron Rodgers. Maybe early career Aaron Rodgers is kind of what we're looking at with Jordan Love, slightly better than that. Um, we really have not seen a ton of it, and what we have seen, at the very least, has not been, I guess, graded out super uh, fantastically. In the preseason so far, he, in 2021, had a 45.4 rushing grade. He had one attempt for 16 yards and two fumbles, which I'm guessing didn't just happen on that attempt. It was also while being a quarterback, but still. Um, and then in 2022, he had three attempts for 42 yards. Both cases, it was 5.3 yards per attempt, uh, just a 62 rushing grade. Then in the regular season, in 2021, he did have a 70 grade. He actually had seven attempts for 27 yards, just 2.3 yards per attempt. But for whatever reason, I guess he did something good. Breaking tackles or whatever, I don't know. And then he had one attempt in 2022 for negative one yard. So I guess what I'll say is at the very least, it's a very underdeveloped part of his game. He hasn't done it a lot. He hasn't really, you know, so not a lot of attempts, not a lot of yards, no touchdowns isn't really graded out very well via PFF. And again, I don't know exactly their standards, but I'm sure it has to do with yards compared to what was expected. Um, you know, elusiveness, breaking tackles, et cetera, et cetera, that kind of goes into that, which to some degree, I guess, is a little bit dumb because, you know, you get a guy like Lamar Jackson who gets dinged, who might've got 20 yards and goes down on first contact. And I don't know, maybe production has something to do with this as well, probably does. But, you know, he's get, he's getting ground that other guys just never would have gotten to begin with. But anyways, I'm, I'm critiquing something that I have no idea what I'm even talking about. But it, it's talked about a lot in terms of this, like, hidden weapon. And my thought is, I really don't think it's going to be utilized all that often. You'll see it once in a while as, as sort of a trick play, kind of like when we threw to Mercedes Lewis, like, twice a year. One of those things. Maybe, like, once every other game kind of a thing. And then, of course, there's just general scrambles, which will be, you know, slight upgrade over what we had with Rodgers, a little bit more evasiveness. When he breaks the pocket, he'll probably gain a couple extra yards than what we would have seen in the past. But I don't think it's going to be a massive thing. You know, like Jalen Hurts gets brought up. That dude ran for 900 yards and had 18 touchdowns. That ain't going to happen. I'm just telling you right now, that's not a thing. Um, another little tidbit as I was poking around, I was kind of comparing Rodgers to uh, Jordan Love on some of these things, but the, the, the numbers are so low. I mean, the low as it is, and then when you look at like this compared to not this, it's you know, you're talking about one throw in some instances, but I found this interesting regardless. I mentioned how important throwing the ball quickly was. Um, I just found this over at PFF when you look at time in the pocket. It not only tells you 
you know, how much time they had in the pocket. But what happens when they throw at 2.5 seconds or more compared to 2.5 seconds or less? Aaron Rodgers, for comparison, when he threw for 2.5 seconds or more, he had a 68.5 grade. 132 completions, 1,742 yards, 15 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Uh, 2.5 seconds or less, 83.6 grade, 81.5 passing grade. Uh, He threw for 1,900 yards, 11 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Right? Pretty stark contrast when you're talking 68 compared to 83, right? It's a much more stark contrast with Jordan Love. Again, you're taking a small sample size and cutting it in half, but Jordan Love had a 47 grade when he held the ball for 2.5 seconds or more, he was 4 of 6 for 38 yards, 6.3 yards per attempt. When he threw it in 2.5 seconds or less, he had a 90.6 grade and an 88.8 passing grade. He was 10 of 14 for 157 yards, 11.2 yards per attempt, and a touchdown. Rhythm. Can't do it all the time, but let's try to make a habit out of it. All right, let's look at our... I guess QB2. I think it's the guy we all expect to be QB2, and that's Mr. Sean Clifford, rookie fifth-round pick for the Green Bay Packers. So let's take a look at old Sean Clifford, shall we? Let's just start over here looking at uh, PFF grades and stats and whatnot, because, again, I think uh, for a lot of people, Sean Clifford is just kind of a terrible quarterback, and, and we have no idea. And I'm not saying this is necessarily from the scouting community, but I think the scouting community is putting out certain vibes that makes people that are listening to them think this guy is just freaking terrible why would we draft him i'm guessing or what i what i think i'm hearing from a lot of um people from the scouting community is he had a a really good college career did some really cool things in college but he's not ready to be an nfl football player anyways if we look for example at his pff passing grade and remember this is college so we're talking about uh, 155 different quarterbacks and we're i'm not talking just you know that we're talking full-time quarterbacks, right? He ranked 33rd, which is really not that bad. He ranked 35th overall. He threw for 2,822 yards, 8 yards per attempt, 24 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Uh, despite the gunslinger mantra, he actually was very careful with the football. He didn't really rank super high in any one category, but, but if you look at turnover-worthy plays, he's actually relatively high. He tied for 18th. And he tied with guys like Jake Hayner. Uh, he was also 20th in adjusted completion percentage. And he was 29th with his passer rating, which was 103.7 on the season. Um, he ranked as the 17th best quarterback throwing from a clean pocket, which, again, is only half good news, half bad news, because obviously that means he struggles from a uh, pressured pocket, which he did. He was down in the 40s. Not terrible, but still. He also really didn't grade out super fantastic as a rusher. Uh, always in the 60s every year as far as his grade last year. He ran 36 times, 265 yards, five touchdowns, two fumbles. And if we just look at his college career, we're talking about five years at Penn State, four years as a starter. He threw for 10,668 total yards, 7.8 yards per uh, attempt, 86 touchdowns, 31 interceptions. And uh, again, we already went over last year's stats. And then just very quickly going over the strengths and weaknesses, this by uh, Mr. Ian Cummings over at Pro Football Network. Uh, superb pocket uh, operator with poise, navigation ability, and adaptability. Great mechanics in structure. Utilize, utilization of pump fakes to open short windows. Quick release and good velocity in short range. By the way, I did look at his PFF grades on his ranges. It gets better as it gets shorter. Um, anyways, 
Underrated athleticism and creation capacity can throw with touch in tight situations can work through progressions. Areas for improvement. Visibly lacks elite creation capacity and arm talent. Accuracy and precision can be volatile. Inconsistent anticipation and sometimes misses midfield reads. Will stare down quick reads at times and be flat-footed. Sometimes tries to force throws beyond his arm caliber and is overaged. He is uh, just about 25 years old. He's going on 25 here. So look, I, I think we all kind of understand what the situation is. I personally think he's going to be a fun quarterback to watch. It's possible he's just a disaster throwing a bunch of interceptions or whatever, but I, I just from what I saw at Penn State, some of the throws he made and, and standing in the pocket and, you know, I th- I, I enjoyed watching him, and I think, um, I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch in the preseason and whatnot, um, which is going to lead to a bit of a following. But I think we also understand this is not a developmental starter. We're not talking about if this doesn't work out, maybe this guy will be. No, he is well known, as far as I can tell, for two things. Being extremely tough and being extremely insanely intelligent. And so he should be able to pick up the offense pretty well, hold the clipboard, and be able to help Jordan Love and the team prepare, run scout, whatever it is he needs to do, he should be able to do it. That is what I believe we're getting from Sean Clifford. Now, the only remaining question is, is he? does he at least have a ceiling that is high enough that we could say he could be a guy that could come in and just not lose you a game? You know, you're up 14, Jordan Love gets hurt. Can you come in and maintain a lead? Could you come in and, and you know, if it's tied, get us down the field and get us to kick a field? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not asking you to get us into the playoffs through the entire season. Can you save us a couple games? Or are we just absolutely doomed if you walk on the field? It's really the only question, and it's a very nuanced minute kind of question anyways why don't we take a quick break if you'd like to support the podcast please feel free to do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy you can do so for as little as one dollar per month thank you very much to mark um rosmernowski for jumping in on the patreons also i've got venmo at packernet podcast please 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 head over to twitter and check out my pinned tweet i don't know how else to get you there so i keep promoting it that way um but very very important that we support our family in times of need things that are much much bigger than football um horrific tragedy that took place and every little dollar will help to go help them so head over to the gofundme for um well the organizers are reggie leslie and samantha james not sure if i said that right but we're uh at four thousand six hundred and forty dollars that's almost four hundred dollars in the last 24 hours that's massive and if we can keep up that tempo we could be able to keep plugging away and really do some good here so um of course keep the family in your prayers and if you're able to support financially please feel free to do that if you if you don't know any way to support or whatever you can't get here just reach out and i will get you the link we'll take a break we'll be right back in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value jordan love card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, finally, we get to the forgotten quarterback, and that is Mr. Danny Etling. Danny Etling was a uh, quarterback for LSU, got drafted in 2018, so he's been around for a while, but had a little bit of a breakout at LSU in his final year. So his three years, first year at Purdue, 49, then a 63, then a 74.5 grade, continually getting better. His completion percentages got better every year. His yards got better every year. Yards per attempt got better every year. Touchdowns got better every year. And last year was the best year as far as his interceptions. So the New England Patriots took a flyer on him in the seventh round. He has not at any point actually taken a regular season snap, which is, I guess, a little surprising. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, In the preseason, however, he has bounced around a lot. In 2018, as I said, he was with New England. He's a 219th pick. He threw for um, 20 completions on 38 attempts, 52.6 completion percentage, 178 yards, a touchdown and two picks, 41.8 grades. So it was pretty bad. Then he went over to Atlanta. He was 17 of 31, which is better. He went from 52 to 54% completion percentage. 193 yards, which is like 12 more yards. 6.2 yards per attempt, which is better than 4.7. Still had one touchdown and this time no interception, so he went from a 41 grade to a 55 grade. He made some progress. Then last year, he comes over to Green Bay. He was 17 of 22, which is a 77.3 completion rate. Remember there was a year three jump in college too? So he went from 52 to 54 to 77%. He went from 178 to 193 to 220 yards, so 27 more yards. He went from 4.7 to 6.2 to 10 yards per attempt. And again, still one touchdown and no interceptions, 71.1 grade, 64.3 passing grade. So Etling at 6'3", 225 pounds, 4.76. I mean, he's built like a quarterback, that's for sure. His two uh, pretty good games for, I mean, he played in three games. New Orleans, he only played one snap, though. Uh, one completion for zero yards, but the the two other games are when he really shined. Against San Francisco, he was 6 for 8, 123 yards and a touchdown. And then against Kansas City, 10 of 13 for 97 yards. Interestingly enough, though, in three years of preseason action, 91 passing attempts, he has only one big-time throw, which averages 1%. However, 4% of his passes are turnover-worthy. So this dude is as vanilla as it gets, with unfortunately a little bit of a lower floor. He's kind of like how Rodgers didn't take risks, but not in a cool way, you know? Like he'd thread the needle between two guys and being like, don't worry, dude, they were never going to get there. Like that style of not taking risks. Danny Etling's just like, nah, I'm not doing that. But he still did a good job. And again, 15.4 yards per attempt is not dinking and dunking. He's playing it safe, but he wasn't uh, just doing checkdowns. Uh, time to throw has always been relatively high, which kind of goes hand in hand, I think, with these deeper passes. I don't know if he's just sitting and waiting for the deeper ones to develop or what. I, I don't really understand his play style necessarily. But he had a 3.45 time to throw in Atlanta, 2.68 in New England, and a 2.86 in Green Bay. 
for an average of 3.02. That is a long time to hold on to the ball. Usually guys that hold on that long are like really good at running, which, I mean, he does great out okay. He had a 74 grade as a runner. We'll get there. But he's not a rushing quarterback. And then his passer rating was 123.3 with the Green Bay Packers. Went from 52 to 84 to 123. As for the rushing in his uh, career in the preseason, 17 attempts, 308 yards, 8.6 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, and two fumbles. For Green Bay, that was seven attempts, 73 yards, 8.1 yards per attempt, and a touchdown. So another guy that actually seems to be quite fun. The problem is, what do we do with these guys? And that kind of brings us to the, the final part of this. Again, one of the things that's really easy about quarterback is, I looked it up just because I want to look it up, but I don't really have to. I know what the answer is to how many are they going to keep because it's, it's between two and three, right? I'm, I'm sure with very, very rare exceptions, the answer is two or three, and the answer this year is going to be two or three. That's the question. Will they keep two? Will they keep three? And I'm assuming the answer is if it's two, it's Clifford. If it's three, it's all three. But I don't know that either. That becomes sort of the, the secondary question, I guess. And it is interesting because we're in un- pretty uncharted territory. And honestly, I'm not really entirely sure. Well, let's do this. First of all, there was a rule change. Let's start there. There was a rule change that my understanding is if you can keep an extra quarterback and it will count on your uh, 53-man roster but not on your game day uh, active roster. So a lot of times I think what would happen is even if you had three quarterbacks, only two would dress. And so the third guy wouldn't play if two ended up getting hurt. Now, I don't know the impact of this rule. Maybe that's a big part of it because that's the only reason teams didn't keep a third. I, I really don't know. I, From my perspective, if you didn't want three, you still don't want three because it's just another guy that's taken up a, a spot on the 53. If you really wanted, if the NFL really wanted to make sure, they would just remove the 53 rule as well, right? That way every single team would do it and you would just make sure that it, you just never have that happen again. But since it counts against a 53, you know, you're looking at going, I don't know, I think I'd rather have that special teams linebacker guy. But I, I will say this, I, I think it's going to push teams closer from two to three. So if you look back over the last five years, um, three of the five years, the Packers have kept two quarterbacks, two of the five have been three quarterbacks. The two most recent years, however, have been two quarterbacks. If I had to guess, if, if, if you put me on the spot right now and said, give me the answer, which quarterbacks will be on the roster, I think, without having done the other, the rest of the 53, because sometimes you look at it and realize, no, that's stupid, I need things in other places, I think it's going to be Love, Clifford, and Danny Etling all on the roster. I don't know how the rule change also with Jordan Love really affects things. Again, I, I don't know that Danny Etling really helps Jordan Love, but maybe it does. Maybe having another quarterback in that room to kind of make sure that everybody's prepared and on the same page and everything, maybe that does help a little bit. Maybe it hinders things because it's one more mouth to feed, one more guy to take reps away from Jordan Love who needs it. That's the thing. It's hard to know in which direction these things are going to impact the Green Bay Packers' decision. However, I'm going to err on the side of the new rule having some kind of an impact, and, and with Jordan Love, you're, you're wanting extra extra help there. And, and I guess technically you could call Danny Etling a veteran, and you would hate to have... Jordan Love out there with a guy that's never taken a snap in the NFL before Sean Clifford. Now, a lot of people are probably wondering, well, why don't you actually go get a real veteran? I still think that's a possibility. 
the last time I remember Matt LaFleur being asked about it, maybe it was Gutekunst, I don't know, but I think it was Matt LaFleur being asked about this. Essentially, with you know me putting words in his mouth, essentially it was something to the effect of, we're going to see how this pans out and how these guys play before we explore that. In other words, if we watch this and go, you know, Danny ain't it, then maybe. You know, maybe we'll start making some phone calls or something. You know, we, we just want to see how these guys play out and if things fall a certain way, then we'll start making some phone calls. I don't know how things fell, and so I don't know which direction they're going to go. But I think bringing in a veteran is still a possibility. They have the money to do it. They have the flexibility to do it. I'm sure these quarterbacks would love to have some kind of a job, even as a backup. I think especially in that system, you've got a head coach who's a quarterback guy. You've got a very uh, well-respected quarterback coach. You've got you know the former Aaron Rodgers team, right? This is a, a culture that respects quarterbacks. And you're working behind Jordan Love, and you get to kind of help him out. You know, if you're talking about Matt Ryan, who I thought would retire, but apparently not. I can't seem to find that information anywhere. I think that that would be a perfect situation because he's very familiar with Matt LaFleur's system insofar as Matt LaFleur was his quarterback coach the one year he won MVP and went out of his freaking mind. Now, Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator, but it doesn't matter. That's the, that's the thing. He's very familiar with it. And I think we answered our question of can he potentially save us if things go wrong? You say, well, did you see him against, you know, an Indian, how terrible he was? Yeah, I did. But this is different. It's, again, we're kind of getting back to his, I don't want to say his roots because he was doing stuff long before Kyle Shanahan came and went for that short stint. But it clearly worked to his benefit. So I do think that that's a possibility. The only other thing really to talk about is, is it possible that Etling is the number two and Sean Clifford isn't? The only way that that happens is if they genuinely believe, which would be silly, that they can put him on the practice squad and he won't be touched. Now, a lot of people, oh, nobody touched him, he's garbage. Oh, yeah, I, okay. I think it's very possible that somebody could pick him up, especially now that teams are going to be looking to keep three. I could be wrong, but I don't know why you invest a fifth-round pick in the most important position in football and then risk losing him over some silliness. Just don't do that, and I don't think they will do that. So, anyways, it's we're a little bit on the short side, but we definitely don't have enough time to tackle another position, so we're going to leave it at that. We're going to just, uh, having reviewed our quarterback situation, again, I'm, I'm at this point, without having done a 53 or tried to even put anything together, looking at it and saying, if I had to guess, it's going to be Love, Clifford, and Etling as the three quarterbacks, and that's um, as opposed to just two quarterbacks with Love and Clifford, and as opposed to going out and getting a veteran just because I don't think they're going to. So anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.